our first podcast. Uh, I'm Greg Butler. Uh, I've been attending St. Peter and St. Paul's Anglican Church for a number of years, and so we're excited to have a podcast uh, starting uh, today, hopefully. And our first uh, interviewee is our pastor, um, uh, Canon Brent Stiller, uh, who's uh, the rector here at St. Peter and St. Paul's. So thanks so much for doing this, Brent. Well, thanks, Greg. It's good to get together, have an opportunity to talk and chat in this comfortable environment. For sure. Yeah. Before we started, we were saying that we often have like these long conversations. So it's great that we're having a bit of a, a focused conversation today. So we'll see <laughs> where that goes. That's right. <laughs> you know, before your hard drive fills. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, sure. Greg. It's great. Yeah. You know, when I was coming in the church today, I was really excited to see the uh, pointing outside uh, in the, um, the exterior basement wall. Um, you know, it reminded me of all the things that are kind of happening at the church that yeah. we don't often see that are going on and so this beautiful pointing that you can sort of see just briefly and then it's it's going to get covered up um and i know we've been sort of through a lot uh you know through uh covid and now sort of this part after covid where we're sort of emerging uh into whatever comes next and so i was just wondering if you could sort of tell us a little bit about what the last couple of years have been like for you particularly from a, a leadership perspective and just as kind of a pastor here Wow, that's a big question. Yeah. Um, so I guess in terms of, you know, as a pastor here, um, actually, just to set the context, it was, I think it was the end of 2019, sorry, the beginning of 2020, we had our annual general meeting. Yeah. And we just presented the direction we we're going in terms of our envisioning and our focus groups for new goals of ministry. We had just finished up stage, I think, one or one and two of our renovation of this old, beautiful historical building. And then, boom, yeah. we're in COVID. And uh, I'll never forget uh, that that week because we really didn't have a video system set up here. Um, and um, so we started off trying to figure out how we're going to do this. You kindly brought this little instrument over so that we could mount our iPhone 6 yeah. and start to record these online services with like three or four of us uh, at a time. So um, all that to say, I think the church, we really had to let's move pivot quickly. Um, on how, you know, how are we going to do this? And what were the implications, uh, you know, for the community, for ourselves, for communication? Um, so I would say it took a number of months just trying to ingest what was happening yeah. and to continue to uh, be at conversation with people the best we could. Yeah, I remember, I mean, that was a real time of learning, even just buying that little device. Yeah, I mean, I got that call from you and, it, it, you know, it's like, okay, I've got to research. Like, what do I need? How do I put something into our church sound equipment even? That yes. Was, yeah. Yeah, no, it was, it was, it, it was a remarkable um, time. And I, and I think also as we work through, um, naturally there are different opinions about COVID and, and vaccinations and masks, no masks. So uh, there were interesting conversations behind the scenes, um, and we tried to work that out to the best that we could. Um, and um, as far as we know, there were never any infections that could be traced back here, so we're thankful for that. Yeah. So it, it is a, th your question is very good, because I think, I think now as we're slowly, apparently anyway, coming out of COVID, mm -hmm. we may hit something along the road, but uh, 
speaking to people, and I even know with my own reflection with the, the other staff, is that, you know, what does traction look like? What, is it, like? what does it mean to regain our momentum? And I think that, um, I don't think we were aware of that when we were right in the midst of COVID, actually, right? It's yeah. something that started to surface the closer we got to being a little bit more free and able to move about. So, um, anyway, as a, as a result of COVID ending, that's something we're now reflecting a lot at. And people respond. Here's what I found. Well, that's just uh, Siri, and I'll, I'll just turn her off for a few minutes. Our, our third participant. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm getting in a little bit, probably too much into the backdrop. But it's, um, yeah, it, it is a time, as I'm sure it was for you, Greg, that's filled with many, um, you know, thoughts, feelings. Um, you know, I know amongst the staff within the community, for some people it was a gift because they liked being on their own. Yeah. For this, there was uh, a time of, you know, very, very deep depression yeah. and loneliness. Yeah. Um, Trying to hold the community to kind of together as well. Oh, you know? yeah, I think that's true. So, yeah, from the position of the pastor to come back to your uh, original question, I think there was a need to be really flexible with people. We, tr we tried to, um, we, we set up sort of a contact ministry so that people would call different people to check up, see how they were doing i experienced that myself that was great oh good and um it, as you mentioned as we were chatting with community we had find that some people um you know were grieving and just trying to be available pastorally in the best means that we could whether it was standing out 10 feet in front of their door or it was on zoom or something like that so uh it was a whole array of things it felt like we were juggling <laughs> so we used to joke here in the office when people when people would say during COVID, I have all this free time, and I just don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, like everybody, Zoom was a big yeah. part of our life. But For sure. yeah, so um, uh, yeah, I think we're still reflecting on that. But th the main points: we had to pivot, we had to move, we had to be flexible, patient, yeah. um, knowing that other people need to be patient with us <laughs> as well. Um, but yeah, we're, I think we're still learning from it. Yeah. Yeah. The video, I mean, um, just having sort of video presence even in, in the church as well. I mean, that's been terrific to be able to, especially, you know, being able to worship when you're, you're at home, Yes. but also sort of seeing it continue on. I, I know, um, I have an aunt in England who, uh, sometimes is able to watch our, our services, which is, is terrific. So, yeah. yeah. That, that has been, um, probably a real gift. Yeah, for people, and um, particularly those who are immune compromised or those perhaps seniors, um, that they still watch it every week. Yeah. And so we, we're looking ahead. We'll probably do it indefinitely. We've placed the cameras in a different spot, yeah. of course, so they're not in the way. But, yeah, that, I, I say that's a silver lining in yeah. the midst of it all. Great. I never thought it was going to be a televangelist. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and no one ever, like, there's not a mission accomplished sort of moment as, as well, but we're sort of transitioning now. Um, into something new at, at the church. And yes. Could you maybe just comment on that a little yeah, bit? Yeah, thank you for that. Um, so what we're seeing thus far in the kind of post-COVID weeks is months is a couple of things. One, the awareness that we have lost some members. Yeah. And that, the reasons vary. Um, we've also shown, uh, discovered that we have a lot of young adults showing up. It, so even though it's for many a transition to come out of COVID and 
and start rejoining again on Sundays. I think it's. I think we're 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 finding there's a bit of a cultural change taking place as well, yeah. and the community's changing, and um, you know that kind of change can be very difficult for some, but within it we're also seeing a response to a desire actually to to come and worship together. Yeah, yeah, and to come and be with people in the community, and this is a really, as you, you know, this is a really eclectic place, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is just off the charts, yeah. uh, you know, in that way. So um, we have uh, we have a, a number of efforts that we were starting uh, just before COVID broke, and we're getting back to that. We're regrouping. We have some planning ministry groups that are starting to really bring that back into implementing ministries, which is exciting. Yeah. Uh, we have um, our, our curate, uh, Ben, came on uh, just, I think, about a year ago, so we are still in it. Um, and uh, Carolyn Vanderheide has come on as a children's ministry director. It's been great to see all the kids. Oh, sort of to see that, yeah, the kids coming up. And there's a real, um, there's something about seeing a passion space for um, a very eclectic community, but the invitation that children can make noise and be present, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I, I love that sound, actually. Sometimes <laughs> I'll be screaming away. Yeah. And uh, if I can interpret them, they might be saying, shut up and sit down and quit <laughs> preaching. But, but it's, really, uh, it's really wonderful to see that. Yeah. So we are, we, we, one of the things throughout COVID, every staff meeting, we were just praying, you know, God in the midst of this, we have no idea, but please prepare us for whatever takes place. Yeah. So it is, yeah, it's an exciting time. Yeah. It's an interesting time. Um, and it's an opportunity to kind of reassess things, you yeah. know, personally and as a church community in terms of our uh, vision yeah. and how it looks. In fact, I think, we, yeah, we talked a little bit about that as it relates to, um, you know, how do we understand ourselves uh, yeah. more? How are we more uh, present within the community? What assumptions are we making? Well, and also, I mean, just uh, all the parking lots around us keep disappearing and getting replaced by skyscrapers. Yeah, so. it's remarkable, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you it was you were John who had a bit of an assessment of how many people would be moving into within a block. Yeah, of here, I think it's yeah. a couple thousand or something. Like For that. sure, yeah. yeah, and like literally across the street from us. Yeah, so yeah. so that's so exciting. Yeah. The other thing, of course, is that um, place to go, which has been running for many years. Um, it's changed over the seasons of se season of seven years. Could you tell us just what Place to Go is? Just for yeah, so, so uh, Place to Go is a Friday night gathering um, where we open the doors for community neighbors and friends to come in and have a meal. Um, it's a safe place. It's a warm place. Um, we have available, if people would like, once a month, we have a little worship service uh, off to the side. Um, it it it's made up of a number of people we know just living in proximity as our neighbors in the community um, from all walks of life, but but primarily those who are um, on the edge, living on the edge, yeah. and in some cases uh, either literally houseless or um, or close to that. Yeah, and. Um, our, our, our leader, Kate, has done just a great job in creating safe space and safety. Um, yeah, so it, it's become really a part of this community, you know? Yeah. And um, 
And you're saying it's changed a little bit. Yeah, so during COVID, we went from place to go to meal to go, Yeah. Um, which was kind of hard, right? And um, so we had lunch, bag lunches, we go to our meet them up front. Um, and, and sometimes it was very difficult because it was really cold out. Right? Yeah. You just want to open the doors and say, please come in and get warm. Yeah. Um, but a lot of conversations happened late into the evening there. And um, there was a real excitement when when the doors opened again. Like it, there really was. That's great. And um, yeah, it's a place that buzzes with uh, excitement. Yeah. So that's that's a real gift um, um, to us, to us as part of the community. It just feels like we have been, uh, it's a way in which we get to know people more personally. Yeah. And we actually get to know our community more. Yeah. And and I think, I really believe, and I, you know, I can talk about, um, I can talk about this a little bit later, but I really believe that it, the, the result of COVID is we've had to kind of reassess, you know, who are we here? Um, mm-hmm. Downtown, Centertown, uh, Gloucester, Metcalf. We've been here for a very, very, very many decades um, in the midst of all the changes um, that we experienced, that we've observed. You know, what is God calling us to in this time? Yeah. And um, those are actually really big questions. Well, and just as you, you know, we've sort of talked a little bit about sort of the young adults and children in the Sunday school and um, uh, the place to go. Uh, yeah. You know, we've had senior ministries as well. I mean, it, it really is a church that encompasses all ages and yes. different backgrounds. And um, that's a really rare and precious thing, I oh, think, to, yeah. to have. Yeah. Well, it was interesting that during COVID, what we ended up doing, because we couldn't really meet in person, is we had a number of studies going. Yeah. On Zoom, of course. <laughs> I don't know, did you buy stock in Zoom? I wish I had. Yeah. Um, so, um, and that varied from Bible studies to themes to kind of uh, uh, a Christian um, formation in our hearts. But it also became a meeting place for people yeah. where they could see one another. Yeah. And we'd have an opportunity to pray together. And um, I think one of the things that we may have forgotten over the last 60 years within worship and within the community is the ability, or actually the need, to grieve and lament. Mm-hmm. Well, we had the, that lament service, I think. As oh, well. yeah. We, so we did this. Yeah. We did this, this service after, yeah, thank you, where we, it was an opportunity to not only lament what COVID has meant, um, but also to give thanks to God for his faithfulness. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so... On these Zoom meetings, there was also a time in the breakout groups for people really to say to one another, this has been really hard, mm-hmm. you know, and then in, within that group, there might be a chance to pray yeah. uh, for each other. So, yeah, there were, even though we weren't meeting every Sunday, there was a lot going on behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which, which was really kind of rich, actually. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. I know I've certainly appreciated some of the Zoom kind of meetings that I've been involved in. Like yeah. I'm part of a writer's club. And uh, I know and you hosted. Things. You hosted a couple. I did, yeah. We did a C.S. Lewis study. Yeah. yeah. That was great. That was good. Yeah. I've heard great things about it. <laughs> well, and, and, had, and had people join who maybe have never, don't know much about St. Peter's. Right? Yeah. 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 It's a great way to sort of begin to stip your, yeah, put your toes in the water. Right. To sort of see what the place is all about. Exactly. Yeah. Which w- reminds me, we also did 
six days a week online morning prayer, what some know as the morning offices, to begin the day. Um, and so they would meet on Zoom, of course, and do that early in the mornings. And and we are actually continuing to do that online. Hmm. Um, as We will, of course, eventually uh, start some of our midweek services again. Okay. Like we have this Wednesday morning service where... We, we get together, I don't know, I think it's 7 or 7.30, maybe you remember. <laughs> and then we go out and we have breakfast together. And that all ages are there. Yeah. Even though that's going to happen, we'll, we'll, de- we'll definitely, um, as far as we can see, continue to do the online yeah. morning prayer. And anybody's invited to it. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah, it's really neat. Well, and you also, um, in, in the last sort of annual general meeting, uh, and your rector's charge, uh, just thinking sort of in the, the future, you talked a little bit about the church, uh, our church, St. Peter and St. Paul's. Yes. And the members sort of thinking about it a little bit as a church plant. Um, I just wondered, could you sort of tell us a little bit more about how that's going and, and maybe what you were thinking about um, uh, in in that call? Yeah. Um well, I know that we're not alone in this, that sometimes churches of all stripes and denominations can begin to, well, who was it, many decades ago, was it Pierre Burton, the Comfortable Pew or something yes, like that's that? Right, yeah. That's really long ago. That's a good reference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Comfortable Pew. Go to and, the library to find that. Part. Yeah, and um, that's right. I guess it's a classic for yeah. some. Um, I think that probably maybe 80% of our audience weren't born. Um, yeah. I was I was only two months old when it came out. <laughs> anyway, um, so, so we, we began to develop, we can become cliquish, mm. um, we can become comfortable with the gospel and with following Jesus. I, I mean, at least my experience. Um, we never really, he doesn't allow us to become comfortable. That's, but anyway, so what we meant by that is we had this opportunity Many of us are reprioritizing things that are important in our life. We're clearly doing that as a parish community, together, individually, etc. So, what do, do we really know our community? Like, I mean, our our, lo- our local community. We're we're just several blocks south of Parliament Hill. Um, we have a very eclectic neighborhood center town. Uh, we have the um, those probably in the lowest socioeconomic status. Uh, we have people who work on the hill. Um, you know, we have drug dealers nearby. But are we really connected? Are we really... Um, what have we assumed all these years? Yes. As a church plant, um, not only in terms of the macro, macro, but when people come into church on Sunday, like, that's not assumed they've ever been to a church before. Yeah. yeah. Let's... let's um, not be, I mean, this, you know, this isn't for us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The one thing about the gospel, it's for every person. God loves everybody. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, if it's, if it's so good, we're not going to try to hide it in our pocket. So just learning to posture different, like posture looking out instead of, you know, um, either towards it. Safe groups are important, you know, for our growth and development. And, yeah. But instead of making that our primary posture of living or just ourselves in our development, that we look out the door. We, we see this whole community as part and parcel to a place that God has called us to be. Yeah. And, um, 
And to listen, the thing that church planners do is they listen. They go around the neighborhoods. Um, it's like business people opening up. They want to know, like, what's the demographic around here? You know, yeah. talk to local business, business people. How, how have you made out through COVID? Yeah. And to, um, really, I, I think it's not to be, as, you know, not to assume. Look at the world differently. Look at one another differently. Engage with people you've never met. Be curious. Yeah. Um, and in fact, you know, I think it's it next week or the week after we have a prayer walk mm -hmm. in which, and anybody's invited to it, um, after church. And this would, this would be on the uh, peterpaulottawa.com if you're interested in looking up. But there's a um, chance after church they're going to get together, they're going to gather, and they're going to just walk around this part of center town and just prayerfully observe. Yeah. Like, you know, God is always... <laughs> God is always somewhere before we get there, right? I mean, yeah. he's always, he surprises us. And so just to be prayerfully aware, to see what's happened, to see what's taking place. Yeah. And so that's, that's I guess in a, a quick summary, that's the idea of thinking as a, thinking as a church plant. Yeah. Well, and the, our community is completely, not completely, but it's certainly changed as well in terms of how, Who's coming to work in downtown Ottawa? Oh, that is so true. And uh, will they, you know, be back full time or part time? And sort of, who are people living in condos versus the apartment buildings that were yes. here before? And yeah. so there's definitely a lot of, I mean, conversations, I guess, that have to almost take place just to really sort of know who our neighbors yeah. are again. No, that's true. I remember probably the height of COVID, you could shoot a cannon down Metcalf Street. <laughs> Not that I'd recommend it. I'm just, yeah, um, but tumbleweeds would and, sometimes go by. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, and you know, with the government, there were most people, if not all, were working from home. Yeah. And um, the conversations about, does one have to go? So it affects the downtown community, the economy. Yeah. Um, we saw that with the, uh, the convoy demonstrations last February, I think it was. Yeah, um, yeah so... Uh, it's a very good point. There's the there's the transition within just what's taking place around us within an eight block radius. Yeah, yeah. Well, and Anglicanism as well has always had this sort of concept of of a parish. Yes. As well, and so thinking about our neighborhood as a parish and what that that means for us. Yeah. No, that's so important, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. As opposed to being on an island. Yeah. <laughs> fortress <laughs> yeah no couldn't agree more Greg yeah that's and I know you personally have great interest in, in what's living in Centertown yourself as we do um, but you are an observer and you have your thumb in the pulse of what's taking place around right yeah. so I've always seen that close to your own heart yeah it was just fascinating to see how the the neighborhood has changed. I've been here for 25 years, you know, yeah. and do you think the church has been here for more like 145, 100, 140 years? I, yeah. I, I can never quite go back and, and count, but it's been, it's been a long time, I guess 150 years coming up in a decade or so. So yeah, it's amazing to think of how it's changed. It is. It is. Just thinking, so we've been talking a little bit um, about the church itself, but just spiritually, I wonder if you could, um, Maybe just tell us a little bit about what you've sort of learned personally through, you know, the, the COVID period and also sort of 
post-COVID, just kind of spiritually, any any insights or, or thoughts that you've got about sort of the church? Um, not sort of structurally, but, um, you know, we talked a little bit before the, uh, the podcast started about people reading uh, the Bible and... Yes. Um, uh, and just how sort of that that's changing. Yeah. Um, well, personally, um, there were some wonderful things that happened, right? Um, you know, being at home a fair bit, we had a chance, you know, as family to do some things. And yeah. a couple of our adult kids flew in, so we were able to, you know, go on walks and do things like that. So that that was a real gift. Um, I would say it, it was, uh, well, just a quote a friend to kind of help think about the conversation. Uh, this friend of mine, she said that one of the things that she really has learned is that she can be alone. Hmm. Yeah. So a person who's not um, naturally predisposed to that, right? Just because yeah. their joyous personality love to be with people. And so I think, yeah, I think for myself, there's there's things to learn. Well, you know, one of them is um, there are certain things that happen in life that just flatten you and, you know, relative to the experience where you realize that um, it's like when you know, Peter said to Jesus when everybody was taken off, they didn't want to be his follower anymore. And he says, where are we going to go? Right? <laughs> we're, like, we're, yeah. um, so I, I think for myself that in COVID there was um, just being stripped down everything, down to everything, to a point where you realize, number one, you have no control over this. Number two, you can't not speculate or define at the time. Mm-hmm. This is going to last. Yeah. Um, three, life is full of ambiguity. I with and I would want to say not just not just to be positive, but even realistically, life is adventurous. Yeah. Um, there's mountains. There's walls of fire we go through. There's deep valleys. Um, and I think COVID was this place where we were just, in a sense, silenced. Mm-hmm. And for me, I mean, you know me pretty well, temperament, personality-wise. Um, it was just a chance again where I just needed to shut up. You know, inside, like what I call uh, moving around of all the furniture within my heart. Like just yeah. stop. Yeah. Let go. You, you can only do what you can do. And it really puts you in a, a particular place, posture of prayer. Um, because, uh, I mean, we probably need this, particularly in North America. Um, contrary to what we think, we can't manage or control the events in our life. We can't, in fact, there's very little in life <laughs> that we actually control. Yes. Yeah. And that's a gift, you know? It's a gift. I mean, I think it's one of the reasons that artists and poets, poets, etc., um, are very good at expressing because they, many of them, have confronted their own mortality, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and there is in that kind of a freedom. And I think within the gospel, it, there's there's a freedom, but there's this tremendous hope and 
kind of new life that exists. So I think, you know, being flattened out was a big part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, learning to, um, you know, be on my knees more as it was, as it were. Um, good things, the home front, good conversations with people. Um, I think uh, perhaps reprioritizing some things in life yeah. um, was really important. Came to appreciate, I mean, this sounds like a big paradox, but came to appreciate the church that is not just the small C church, capital C church, um, even more so. Yeah. And when I would, um, you know, listen or see online or, you know, watch the news to see what the church was going through in very different parts of the world mm-hmm. without access to vaccines and, yes, you know, and... <laughs> Here we get annoyed if we would lose our Wi-Fi for three days, you know. Yeah. So yeah. there was some kind of precious in all of it. I mean, I wouldn't want to wish on my first, worst enemy, but yeah, it was a, it, it is it was is a kind of gift, mm-hmm. and that's not to belittle some really horrible things to happen to people. Yeah. But in terms of the faith walk. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, you know, looking back on that that period as, as well i mean it was uh um you know i mean as introverts right <laughs> suddenly yeah. you're uh you're deprived of uh, you know that whole expression of, yes. of your your personality certainly that's something that I, I found myself and um you know particularly people who didn't perhaps have large families through through that and sort of some of the loneliness that that people people felt yes um, through it it's and and now that it's sort of a little bit in the past it can be difficult to go back and and sort of say so how how are you doing have you kind of recovered from from that that period and and we're not really we're not through it yet necessarily so it's uh yeah we're a little bit in a between time i guess i think that's true yeah so i mean one of the things we see through you know uh scripture or the bible which of course in christians is an important fundamental aspect or part of the, the faith it, again and again is this theme of waiting mm-hmm. uh, many many years ago you remember Tom Petty had that song the waiting is the hardest part um, and you know you look at you look at the songs for example like how often people are crying out how long like how long you know oh Lord and then there was usually a bookend with but you're faithful mm-hmm. and I know that because of experience that I've seen it Waiting became a big part of life. Yes. And throughout our lives, whether we are 13 or 18 or 25 or 50 or 85, we're waiting. Right? Yep. Yep. And uh, from a Christian point of view, we are waiting. We're anticipating uh, God's restoration of the world and his people. It, it just seems to, I mean, you, you, you love C.S. Lewis. I, you maybe remember the quote, but this idea of you're anticipating what's coming around the corner. Um, that we're always just waiting and anticipating what's coming around the corner. Well, COVID, <laughs> guess what? <laughs> you have to wait a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You have to wait on this, 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 and this. Yeah. The waiting's hard. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And, um, 
what's what's the term about the the the, the recognition that instant gratification is not real life like mm-hmm. we can download tons of stuff um, very quickly we can communicate around the world I mean we saw these vaccines develop with incredible collaborative research yeah um, but there's lots of things that are going to be delayed yeah. in gratification. Yes. Well, at a forced sort of time when you have to be still, right? Yes. Like, be still and know that I'm God, that that statement. Sometimes we don't want to be still. Yes. And But this period, especially when you're at home, it forces you to, to be still. Although there's, we still live in a time with a lot of distractions. So yes. Netflix and... That's true. All of those other yeah, I, I don't know what... <laughs> I mean... If this was confession, um, you know, Karen and I were talking with some people a little while ago, and I said, during COVID, we watched every movie that has ever been made. <laughs> you know, kind of felt like that. For sure. I watched the entire season, like every episode of Frasier. Oh, you did? So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's commitment. <laughs> so I think some of us are on kind of detox at yeah. the moment. Yeah. It's taking a long time. Going in back, learning how to have conversations. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> how does this work? Yeah, how do I talk to people? <laughs> that's true. Yeah. And that's actually true, isn't it, about learning to socialize again? I yeah. mean, for yeah. for many people. Yeah, so, no, it's it's almost that you have to force yourself to go out because you've gotten so used to being at home. Yes. And being self-sufficient almost. Uh, cool. Certainly that's something I find as a single person. Yeah. That uh, it can be difficult to remind yourself that, you know, uh, it's expected, not expected, but that it's it's normal to sort of go out two or three times a, a week and yes. and that other people need to see you, not right. just that it's good for yourself, but it's also good for the other people. Right. Yeah. yeah. That is, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Good advice for myself, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is... Um, Yeah, that, that that that's interesting because I, you know I I really I've always been in the cusp of extrovert and introvert, and I'm kind of guessing that maybe you're placed too a little bit. That's my spot too. Exactly right <laughs> so, on the line. So I really love talking to people, you know, and I love hearing personal histories and getting to know them. And, um, but I almost found probably started in COVID that in certain ways I sometimes feel I can become in a bit of a hermit. You know, I mean, uh, Karen and I are very comfortable with one another. We can be laughing or, you know, Netflix or not speaking at all. There's a comfort there. But I've come to realize that I can just putter for hours and not say anything. I don't mean you want to hear the church. (laughs) In your off hours. (laughs) Yeah, but just, yeah. And it's, um, on the one hand, it's been a real gift. But coming back to what you said, also remembering that being human involves being in community. Mm-hmm. In fact, I, I, I'm not sure we can be human apart from community, other people. Yeah. So the thing about the hermit means that's good at the right time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but there's a big world we've been called to live in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did want to just ask you a little bit. I, I know we, we sort of mentioned that it's um, it, it's the anniversary of, uh, of your kidney transplant, uh, which uh, 
you know, was such a, I mean, obviously such a, an important event in, in your life. And I'm sure lots of people in the congregation are, are curious to know how you're, how you're doing. And um, uh, if you could maybe just talk about that for a little bit. Yeah, thanks, Greg. It, yeah, so it, we just um, celebrated the anniversary, which is amazing. Uh, August of 2021, uh, I had a transplant. I've known this surgery was coming for 26 years or so. Um, and um, I, I, whenever I talk about this, I still can't believe it. My first cousin, Diane, who happened to be visiting on Sunday, and we embarrassed publicly, which was a lot of fun, actually. She, she gave me um, her kidney. Um, Sorry, I could talk about that because that's really it's it's a kind of a grace. Yeah, it is um, amazing. So we had the surgery. I was off for three months. Um, it it is kind of a, it, it's been a how would you call it a bit of a roller coaster physically. You're on a lot of meds, so it affects your moods and things like this. But um, celebrating a year's anniversary has been great. Uh, this. This morning, in fact, I checked in with a nephrologist and they said, uh, you've now moved into the stable phase, which was kind of good news, you know. That's amazing news. Yeah. 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 Um, we, we were really blown away by the generosity of people in the community in this parish who, you know, brought over so much food, um, who were praying for us, uh, who checked in. You know, like when I think of Karen, you know, my, my spouse, that one of the things you know about caregivers is that they often end up carrying the blunt of the brunt of the work. So there are people who are really sensitive to that, to her, hmm. um, and really grateful for that. Yeah. Um, I don't know, what, what else can I say? It's, it's been an adventure. I felt really uplifted by the parish. Um, it was... A, one of those opportunities where you have an opportunity, sir, it's one of those opportunities where you are reminded that you have a, um, you're living with a pronounced mortality, a more pronounced mortality. So that draws one to think about priorities in life and, and timing, and again, not to be presumptuous. So, yeah, it was hard, but, but it's all a gift, you know. Yeah. Um, when I think back, it's not that long ago that transplants began in Canada. Mm -hmm. you know? So if we were even go back to the 70s and early 80s, um, it's, it, you know, it's very possible that I wouldn't have, this wouldn't have transpired. Yes. And I may not even be alive today. Yeah. So there's so much to be thankful for in it. And I feel like I have this new... Um, kind of second life and my energy levels my mental clarity has changed um so yeah i mean that's 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 a bit of a very compressed answer but um yeah it's 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 been quite a ride and could you remind me had you was it not much long before the transplant that you had moved uh houses as well yeah that that's that's correct i think this september might be three years that we moved from uh, the West End in Ottawa to downtown, Centertown. And, um, yeah, 
And then next thing you knew, I had a 10% kidney function. Yeah. <laughs> so it all happened quite rapidly. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's, it's um, you know, I'll just return for a second to Diane. The thing about the transplant that's been remarkable, you know, because God always seems to be teaching us about grace. I mean, we know, of course, the Christian message, the, the grace of God that he has disclosed this unconditional love to us. And, and Jesus and his life and death and resurrection. It's a kind of grace that, to use old language, you don't even deserve because we know who we really, all of us are. I know in my own heart. Yeah. And then there's different graces we learn along the way. Like, you know, as we look around the world and see flowers changing and we see the beauty of this world, and there's graces which is just a kind of a demonstration of the wonder of God and what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And with grace... You can't pay it back. I mean, you can you can pay it back in the manner in which you respond. So, in terms of our faith, we it's not sorry. Pay it back is not the great word. To just say the only way that we can really ever say thanks is in the case of faith is to turn to God and say, in my response of love, mm-hmm. I really want to live for you. And I need your help to do it. But this is such a gift. This the experience with the transplant was a kind of grace. And as I mentioned with like with Diane, um, I get tongue twisted because you know, we she's in the hospital, the same hospital we talked, and I told her how thankful I was. And then, you know. Two weeks later, three weeks later, when I saw him, I wrote this letter. I said, I can't like it. Um, thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, did I, <laughs> did I tell you that I was thankful? You know, yeah. sorry. I mean, it sounds kind of silly. But the, the point is this. It's, it was a gift of love that's so profound and life-changing mm-hmm. that really all you can do is respond by receiving it. And then perhaps sharing that kind of gift with others. Yeah. And every opportunity. So that was a big takeaway through this session. Well, and through the whole process, we were, you know, encouraged to pray not just for you, but but for her and for her health. Yes. And so it was wonderful to see her at, at church and looking so yeah. so well. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Yeah, because they they drove up this past Saturday night. They show up in church, and then I just. You know, at the end, we put her in the spots. <laughs> You've been praying for Diane for all this time, and now you have a chance to see yeah. who she is. There's Diane and Steve. And, um, yeah, that was really good. And I and I think also for Diane to know the community been praying. Yeah. 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 yeah she's an amazing woman. Huh. And, you know, it just, um, I mean, it does sort of speak to what church is, is meant to be, you know, sort of yeah. making food for people when they're they're sick and praying for each other and um that that sort of wider sense of of community that you spoke spoke to yeah so yeah that's wonderful that, yeah to, to know that you felt so kind of cared for through that process yeah that, that was remarkable and yeah and i think in that you recognize really your own weakness and vulnerability. Yeah. So you don't have to explain <laughs> why you just can't do X, Y, and Z at this time, right? So it's kind of yeah. silly, but it's like, 
yeah, you know. And then you think of, you know, just not 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 to theologize everything, but even this idea that, you know, that God humbled in the person of Jesus, I mean, the kind of humility that, and I, I'm not comparing myself to Jesus, my point is that it seems the more we listen to Jesus, he calls us into these places of just, that we really need him, mm-hmm. you know, that that we're stripped, uh, you know, stripped down naked into the situations we find ourselves, like as a patient, recovering patient with the transplant, you realize I'm vulnerable. I depend on other people. Yeah. I'm being loved by other people. I know who I belong to, ultimately. Those are both really hard but wonderful lessons <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, so th- thanks for asking about that. It's yeah. uh, it's been it's been quite a journey. Great. Yeah. Well, I, I can't finish without asking you a little bit about sort of reading material. You know, I think we're both kind of avid readers. And uh, I was just wondering, um, you know, certainly it's been a time for for readers. Uh, yes. <laughs> we certainly have the time for it. Um, and I was just wondering, could you talk a little bit about sort of the role that, um, that reading kind of plays in your life? I mean, yeah. anyone who's heard your sermons knows that uh, you'll always get a couple of good book references <laughs> out of it. Well, you know, uh, and Karen would concur with this. The last number of months, I haven't read as much as I used to. Mm. In fact, um, Karen's been very good over the years of, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you, when you live in the same house with someone for so long, you know, they figure things out kind of fast, right? So she's been able to look at me sometime and say, fiction, you need fiction now. <laughs> In other words, translate it into, you've been reading either too much nonfiction or theoretical stuff, and let's uh, reboot your imagination with all the color that it requires. And Everyone needs that in their life. Like, <laughs> yeah. A book uh, recommender like that. that yeah. No, it's true. And, you know, Karen, she, she literally reads nonstop. So anyway, the, so the last few months, I've I've just um, I haven't read as much as I normally do, um, but but I'm just slowly getting back uh, into it. The, the the one book that I'm reading uh, right now is Amor Towles, and people may know him. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it properly, but he wrote the uh, Gentleman in Moscow. I love that book. It yeah. was real literary kind yeah. of writing, wasn't it? And so now I'm reading the Lincoln Highway. Okay, it, that's his next book. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. Um, and I would say it's more like a Hemingway book, like it, or Steinbeck. Like it, it's not um, th- that other book that John in Moscow was like you're reading 18th century, 19th century literature, right? <laughs> so that that has been good. That has been really, it's been really rich. Um, one of the things that I, you know, I, I don't always remember all the the names of the books, but that I read when I was came home from the hospital as I ordered a number of books that I've been thinking about or I'd heard about in podcasts. And one of them, I think Sir Brandy Brown, I heard about, she interviewed him, uh, this woman, who was a Polish Jew who grew up in the camps. Mm. And um, she was now a psychologist and a counselor, and at the time in her 90s. Okay, wow. And um, when you think about people in the camps, you think, how... You know what drove them to survive, right? I mean, we have some personal accounts and diaries of people. 
What she did is that in her own therapy and working through and um, confronting, you know, people you know, back in Nazi Germany, is um, out of that she found that she was able to help people with trauma. And so what she, what her primary area is, is either with individuals or groups, she goes and speaks to them, um, like soldiers who are in trauma or in war, people who have seen horrors that we can't comprehend and probably don't want to imagine. And she shares this horrible story of herself and in her words, not, not, not to make it about her. But, but here's the question, and I think it really applies to all of us. For her, the camps, at some point, and for those she speaks to, now what? Hmm. Now what? Like there's this horrible kind of experience and reality that happened, but how do we... Yeah, and as an, as an individual who is, you know, particularly in areas of trauma, who is trying to work through that, mm -hmm. what, what are we going to do now? Yeah. And I think that applies to all of our life everywhere. So even with COVID, mm -hmm. now what? Especially now. Yeah. yeah. But people lose jobs. People have lost money in the market. Um, people have had dreams that went down the toilet. They've lost whole years of their life. That yes. Yeah. Uh, families have split up. Um, I mean, there, there are a lot of things that have happened behind the scenes in COVID. But wherever we are, whatever, whatever age we're at, um, now what? Mm -hmm. And I just find it a very perplexing question, but it's profound, right? Because I, I think sometimes we get our, our, ourselves in these places where we get in cycles, we get stuck. And we, we find that as we're reflecting or trying to discern a decision that it, we're spinning wheels. Mm -hmm. And there's something about that question that brings focus. Anyway, I... I of course, I don't have it here, and um, <laughs> I don't remember the name. But that was a very good book. Yeah, that was a very good book. Now what? And I think that's something even yeah, post COVID, we could be asking ourselves for sure. And I'm sure if anyone wants uh, a reference, they could uh, pull you aside after church. Oh and, no, absolutely. Yeah. And and you know, there's there's some other books that I've read this year, and I just off the top, I can't. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not very good at remembering <laughs> books, <laughs> and I also I lend too many. I don't get them back. <laughs> I, books are sort of like you can. Like it's like. Well, what did I eat on last Thursday? Yes. <laughs> you open up to page eighty. Oh, spaghetti sauce. Yes, yeah. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Great. But thank you for asking that. Yeah, it's you know, um, um, as you know, my wife Karen is a writer, and I've never known anybody. And I guess she was like this when she was seven. She always had a book. Yeah. Um, and it's really been the other thing, COVID, is really to be able to watch how she grows as an artist. That's been really, really exciting to mm -hmm. observe that. Yeah. So. I, I mean, I think sort of books as well, they... Um they kind of are friends in a way. They accompany us through difficult... Doesn't Lewis say something about that? I'm sure he does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If, if I'm saying anything profound, it must yeah. be some C.S. Lewis. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Great. No, no, but please keep going. Give me an interrupt you. Yeah, no. Well, I think um, 
Uh, I was just saying that, you know, I think one of the things that I appreciate about you and, and also other readers of my life is just the way that, um, you know, as you're sort of mentioning with Karen as well, the um, the idea that uh, these books kind of feed us in a, in a way. As yes. we, um, and, and sometimes they sort of give us new insights that uh, kind of help us in the next direction that, that our life is going to take us yeah. in. So, yeah. It, it does feel sometimes... Um, as if the timing of the book is just unbelievably accurate in terms of where we are and what our needs may be or perspective, right? Do you, do you find that? Absolutely. Although sometimes I'm not, I didn't know I was ready for a book until uh, six months after I read the book. And oh, then interesting. Like, ah, yes, that's why I read yeah. the book. Of course, you like the classics too. I mean, you get into some pretty heavy things. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. If the listeners fun. don't know, Greg reads, you know, Greek um, <laughs> for fun. For fun, he does. Yeah, yeah. But well, also some um, uh, some very lowbrow books as well. So, yeah. yeah. Well, they're good, right? They like, are. Beach absolutely. reading books are great to read any time of the year. Yeah, I'm a big fan of science fiction for sure. So. Oh, are you? Yeah. 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 Any particular author? Oh. Um, yeah, that's a tough one. You're not supposed to ask me questions. Well, I'm, I'm supposed sure. to be asking okay. you questions. Oh, but this is <laughs> just having coffee together. <laughs> I know. You're making me think uh, now. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I um, uh, just have always sort of really enjoyed sort of, like, especially, I think, Star Trek. Um, not that they're books. I mean, that's the thing. You sort of talk about uh, kind of profound books that I've, I've read, and the first thing I think about is my, my Netflix accounts and the shows that I've been watching. <laughs> so, have you watched them all? Uh, I have, yeah. Okay. yeah. I've always been a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It is a real gift, isn't it? And uh, it's a little bit like when you go to a musical, like a theater, uh, theatrical musical presentation. And yeah. I've probably only maybe attended seven in my life, but I, I remember several times. Um, Karen and I were coming back with the kids from East Africa, and we stopped in um, in London, and uh, we went to see Fiddler on the Roof. Now, we were jet-lagged, so we didn't actually make it to the whole thing. <laughs> but just the sense of, why don't I do this more often? Mm -hmm. And I think books are like that, too. And also, when I go to the NAC, I often sort of, I, I have that experience all the time. I'm leaving, and I'm thinking, that was amazing. Yeah. Why, why has it been a year and a half since, yeah. or two years, or three years since yeah. I, I did something like that? Yeah, yeah. and you, you get the sense everybody's feeling that way. Yeah, especially yeah. now. I think people sort of feel that, you know, we've got a lot of life to, to start making up for. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, that's good. Great. That's good. Well, thanks so much, Brent. Really appreciate well, you taking the time with us. This yeah. is being a lot of fun, Greg. Yeah. yeah. Well, people are getting an insight into what we usually talk about yeah, when we that's sit right. down. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, um, you know, you know, you and this group in the communications thing, um, I, I just think this is a great idea. and It's a chance to... Um, through your interviewing different people, you know, getting to know the church and the community, and um, uh, you know, as everybody's listening to several podcasts at once these days or audiobooks, and it's yeah, it's just a different way of entering into the world and you know, sneaking in on somebody in the coffee shops in the background, but um. Yeah, so I, I just really appreciate the way you make it very informal. And great. So thank you. Yeah, well, it's great to be in a church that has a podcast. So. Yeah. <laughs> great. 
Well, have a great one, Greg. Thanks. Yeah, take care. <laughs>